1: When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around.
0: And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Yep. (laughs) And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're
1: not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite
0: research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. We do. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. It cannot. (laughs) And today's no different and because we're gonna start podcast number 92 Thanksgiving with Brenda and Kevin we're
2: justified
0: in, we so Richard do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show uh last week was Tim Noakes. we're not
1: worthy we're not worthy. <laughs> I am not going to apologize for Tim Noakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, what a great episode and and Professor Noakes, he's the guy. I mean, he inspired you mm-hmm. and you inspired me and that whole thing just he he was one of the one of the first people to really tell people, "Hey, this is worth looking into." He sure was. Yeah. And what a privilege to talk to him. Absolutely. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is.
1: Sure. A ketogenic diet is 20 grams or less of carbohydrates a day. Moderate amount of protein. We Mm. have between 1 and 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. Uh, All of your energy is going to come from fat. It'll be either fat on your body or fat on your plate. Fat. Fat. (laughs) We should do fat Gregorian chants.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Let's do that. We'll make a CD. Next episode. You'll be able to download it on iTunes. Uh, well, uh, how was your week, buddy? It was good. I went to Sydney
1: to uh, go to a lecture by uh, Dr. David Ludwig, and uh, it was a lecture on whether obesity comes before overeating. And it was oh. interesting. I I mean, it, it probably wasn't um, – Anything controversial to people who listen to this podcast, mm. uh, because it was all of all the stuff that we all all know about, you know, uh, a low carbohydrate diet being a. Uh, uh, probably the best approach, right. first approach at least for diabetes, mm-hmm. and also the human requirement for carbohydrates in their diet is apparently zero. Uh, all of these things, the, the the greatest hits from the low carb world. But this was an audience of dietitians, and nutritionists, and uh, and students, and so that was interesting because it was quite challenging for them. But I saw a lot of people nodding their head. Wow. I sense a sea change in the field of nutrition. So uh, one interesting thing, I was going to ask him when they came to Q&A what his opinion was of the fact that uh, Diabetes Australia uh, suggests that diabetics eat uh, 300 grams of carbohydrates a day. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> Rory Robertson, well-known as uh, at. Oz paradox got up and asked my question before I could get to it. Oh, and he almost had to get escorted out by security because he, he was rather strident. So that was really? interesting. Yes. So, um, wow. but that, but you know, it, it, he had a, he had a good point, you know, that he was making right. the point that the diet that diabetes Australia has been suggesting to, for diabetics is actually making them sicker. And the interesting yeah. thing was that David Ludwig. Basically defanged him by saying, you know, you and I probably agree on that. <laughs> I was going to was-
0: say, that well, it wasn't controversial to David Ludwig, I'm sure. No,
1: no. But it was controversial yeah. to uh, the host of the event, Jenny Brand Miller, and also mm. probably to a lot of people in the audience. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it was a, it was certainly an interesting event. So, and I recorded a podcast with uh, Dr. Ludwig and also yeah. some content for Jason Funk's show
0: so yes which by the way the obesity code podcast is just doing great yeah and uh if you haven't heard it already Go listen to it. Just search for Obesity Code wherever you get your podcasts. It's really, really good.
1: Yeah, and thank you to our Patreons who uh, have uh, sponsored us to be able to do these extra podcasts.
0: Absolutely. So, how was your week, Carl? Oh, my week was great. I did some work on the other side of my brain in the software (laughs) development world, although it all has to do with podcasting. It's an interesting thing. Um For those who don't really know about what's going on in the software world, I'll just give you this backdrop that uh, frames what we've been working on lately. In about 2012, Microsoft, the corporation, switched from being all about selling Windows with their programming techniques, tools, and approaches to being open source and supporting other platforms other than Windows because now for them, it's all about the cloud. Yeah. and cloud means we're going to have people writing javascript we're going to have people running on linux uh which is another operating system uh, we're going to have you know people in with macs and iPhones and android devices and we have to embrace all these people so they changed one of the things that we're doing and i say we Richard Campbell and i is we're inviting all of these podcasters from other non microsoft communities specifically javascript linux ios which is yep. you know apple and mm-hmm. android to come to microsoft conferences and interview microsoft people right you know pro- program managers and people that you know make big decisions um, for their own communities. So it's really kind of like, talk about a sea change in technology. This is a big deal. yeah. And so uh, Richard Campbell and I from .NET Rocks, we went there for the week and coordinated oh, about 30, 40 recordings um, with uh, other Microsoft people. So the, the reason I brought that up is because some of these podcasters who now I've met, Over the last three or four years, we've been doing this for three or four or five years. Um, Now they're beginning to listen to to keto dudes and uh, and taking a ketogenic approach to their metabolic issues. Wow. And they're coming out of the woodwork, man. And we see this pattern. And I say we, Richard Morrison, I see this pattern all the time in the people in our community, which is I thought it was crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I tried it. I cut out carbs, I increased my fat, it worked. You know, I lost 20 or 30 pounds in a few weeks. I went to my doctor. My doctor had never seen it before, couldn't believe it, (laughs) didn't offer any help, and said- Just keep doing whatever it is you're doing. (laughs) Well, yeah, they'll either say, keep doing it, or they'll say, "Uh, you're never going to stick to that, (laughs) you know, and find some other problem with it, like cholesterol or whatever, that they can't get behind it. But the reason these doctors can't get behind it is because they, they can't do anything. They're not involved in it. Sure. They can't offer any medicine. All they can do is take them off medicine, and they're afraid to do that, right? Yeah. And so then the final thing in this progression, this pattern that we see, is that the people who have lost weight and reverse diabetes get mad. Yeah. They get angry. They're like... Why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you <laughs> say that I could have gotten off all these medications? Why did you continue to tell me to eat carbs and take medicine? Sure. And so now what you have out here is thousands and thousands. I would say maybe even hundreds of thousands of people all around the world who have cured themselves of diabetes and are angry. Yeah. Uh, I rate. <laughs> I rate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the animating force
1: behind us, behind the Ketogenic Forum, behind a, a lot of our friends on Facebook and on social media uh, pushing this ketogenic message. It's not a dogma. Right. We're not trying to prove that we're right. We're not trying to shore up our own beliefs by converting other people to our right. way of looking at things. What we're trying to do is we're trying to – pass on the information that we wished somebody had passed on to us
0: earlier exactly that's what it comes down to so you know uh just congratulations to everybody out there who is doing what we're doing and following in our footsteps there there are too many of you to uh to high five but uh here's your virtual (laughs) high five well done high five (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, Well, this is the point in the show where we give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug with our mugs on it. We do. And a phrase that you probably have heard before, keep calm and keto on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And today's winner is Priscilla Ruiz. Congratulations, Priscilla. And uh, Priscilla won that mug just by being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which is easy to sign up for. Go to fanclub2 answer a yep. few silly questions, and you'll be automatically eligible to win every show something from the Two Keto Dudes. Nice. And if you don't want to wait to win a mug,
1: uh, you can always buy one at gear.2keto.com and pick yourself up a T-shirt
0: while you're at it. <laughs> right. Okay, you know what time it is now. Ready? It's time for...
2: Yeah!
0: <laughs> what you got, Carl? All right. Well, this is one from the Ketogenic Forums. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's at forum.2keto.com. It is a free forum. There's over, I think there's over 10,000 people in there now, but about that anyway. it's actually paid for by our patrons. Absolutely. And this is from Kathy, and it's entitled, Post-Holiday, Post-Vacation Fasting. And she says, I had been regularly doing three to four day fasts for about six months last year. It's how I lose weight. Mm -hmm. But I slowed down during the holidays and then I didn't do one while on vacation. I stayed keto, of course, but still gained Mm. about three pounds. Not bad considering how much eating out I did. (laughs) I have since lost those three pounds and started an extended fast about 20 hours ago. I plan on extending this fast at least until Friday. Okay, so no problem, right? Just get back on the horse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I just don't really feel like fasting. I feel like I have to go back to square one and just work my way through it. I really want to eat. Not hungry. Just want to eat. So the question is, will this get better? Mm. I want and need to fast to continue losing weight and to prevent illness through autophagy. I want it to be easier to take a few weeks off without having to go back through this feeling that I don't like this. Mm. What are some strategies from you, regular fasters? I think it might be all psychological at this point, and I just need to talk to myself a little bit. Well, one of the things that Megan says is change it up, right? She does, yeah. And we also know that there's a a sort of compounding effect, right? That, yeah, the, the first day of a fast, can be you know pretty disruptive the second day gets a a little bit disruptive but it kind of gets easier because you feel much better and then by the third day you're really feeling strong yeah but i really do empathize with kathy because this is sort of where i've been for the longest time you know i just love eating and i love cooking and i love eating good food and fasting is clearly the next step you know for me longer fasts, more frequent fasts Sure. It's hard to get into that. Yeah. I, and when I've been successful at fasting, I've just jumped in, you know, mm. done the, you know, feeling weird for a day or two or, or three. And after that, it just feels like I could go forever. And it becomes just a little game that you play with yourself. How long can you go? How long should you go? Yeah. But Kathy knows this and everybody who fasts knows this. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Yep. So that's very true. Do you have any recommendations you like to go for a bike ride? Yeah, I glycogen. do.
1: Yeah, i I like to I like to do some, a little bit of exercise fasted. If I get hungry, I do a little bit of exercise, and I don't feel hungry after it. Yeah. Um, if I'm not hungry and I eat something, then all of a sudden I start feeling hungry. So it's yeah. it's it's sort of antithetical, but it is unfortunately how the uh, appetite system works. Um, uh, that's why, uh, as Jason Funk said the other day on on his podcast, that's why they call them appetizers—a little bit of food just to mm. uh, get your body thinking. Oh, you know, there's a meal coming, and then all of a sudden you get hungry.
0: And it makes sense that a fast may start with a burst of exercise from an yeah. uh, evolutionary point of view, because mm-hmm. what do you, what does caveman do when there's no food around? He gets up and goes hunting. Goes hunt, some you know? down, yeah. And in fact, that's right. why your
1: body is uh, during a fast. Your body is increasing your your alertness and and your human growth hormone and uh, mm. your adrenaline, and it, it's
0: basically getting you up to hunting speed. Right. So that may be why it's difficult for people when they start fasting to get through those first couple of days. Um yeah. you need to burn off your glycogen. You need to burn off your liver glycogen and you need to burn off glycogen that's in your muscles and the only way you can do the latter is by exercising. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And that uh, that certainly helps. The other trick that I have is that I like to start my fast after dinner. So mm. I'll have a dinner and then I'll then I'll I'll begin the clock and then the point where I hit 24 hours It's just before bedtime. And so, Mm. if you, um, you yeah, sometimes it's like three or four hours before bedtime uh, because I go to sleep late. But I find that if I'm hungry and bedtime is coming up, I can decide, oh, I'll just go to bed early. And if I sleep through it, I'll wake up and I'm not hungry and I'll go for, you know, for. Half the day and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm I'm 36 hours into my fast and mm. um, now I'm on the downhill side of it. So, uh, yep. that's one technique is actually sleeping through the,
0: the, the hunger bit. Right. And if, for me, I would have to eat breakfast around 8, 9 o'clock and make that my last meal, then when I go to sleep 18 hours, which is typically, you know, 18 to 24 hours is typically where it starts to get hard, then mm-hmm. I'd be asleep for that. Right.
1: One thing worth uh, mentioning is that uh, it's remarkable that even when we're eating ad libitum, so we're eating, as you say, you like eating and you've uh, been enjoying your food, Mm. you haven't put on all of that weight again. True. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. You know, we should celebrate the fact that we are eating when we're hungry and stopping when we're full, and we're not putting on all of that weight again. So, you know, it's remarkable.
0: It is remarkable. So you got a piece of mail, Richard?
1: I do. I've actually got a direct message uh, that came to me. It's from Mel, and Mel sent me a PDF, which I'll include in the show notes. Uh, but this is the top 10 research priorities for type 2 diabetes, and these are results from the Diabetes UK James Lind Alliance Priority Setting Partnership. So these are the 10 top priorities for uh, the peak body for diabetes in the United Kingdom. Okay. And their first most highest priority is – can type 2 diabetes be cured or reversed? What is the best way to achieve this? And is there a point beyond which the condition cannot be reversed? Hmm. So that's remarkable that, that it that's is remarkable. an interesting question, you know. And then the second is that how do we identify people at high risk of type 2 diabetes a- and help to prevent the condition from developing? Yeah. And that's another good question because, uh, well, we know the craft test is going to identify people sort of 10, that's 15 right. years before they become type 2 diabetic. Um, and that information is out there. So, um, mm. uh, there's a couple of other interesting ones. Uh, number five is how can people with type 2 diabetes be supported to make lifestyle changes to help them mm. to manage their condition? And how effective are these lifestyle changes and what stops those from working? Well, that's really what the ketogenic forum is all about <laughs> is. Yeah providing support for people to make lifestyle changes to help them manage their type 2 diabetes. And, you know, we have thousands of people reversing their type 2 diabetes. So, so they're asking the right questions. They're just not paying attention. Well, the answers <laughs> will come to them. I mean, if they ask the questions of enough people, um, yeah. there are certainly experts in the United Kingdom who are part of the system, like uh, Dr. David Unwin, who who is reversing diabetes, and he yep. is – um, he is a, a, a general practitioner. Um, yep, yep. And the final one that was interesting, this is their number 10 priority, and that is what role do fats, carbohydrates, and proteins have in the management of type 2 diabetes? And are there risks and benefits associated with the particular
0: approaches? Wow. These are all well-informed questions.
1: Absolutely. Well, we know that a ketogenic diet, uh, a diet where you get most of your energy from fat, is definitely um, a- able to reverse at it. it, it at least reverse my diabetes, and I think it's done yours. And uh, and a lot of other people we know. Yeah, thousands of us on the Ketogenic Forum. And mm. uh, the other thing is that a diet low in fat and very high in carbohydrate, um, otherwise known as the Kempner Rice Diet, Mm-hmm. That was also able to reverse type 2 diabetes. So there's at both ends of the spectrum, there's there, there are answers to that question. So it's very exciting that uh,
0: uh, the peak bodies are getting into this. It is very exciting. Totally agree. So that's my mail. Well, a very happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And uh, as Richard and I said... This is going to be such a great show because we're going to talk about what we're thankful for. But our old friend, Brenda Zorn, is here. Hi, Brenda.
3: Hi, Carl.
0: And her new boyfriend, the love of her life, Kevin Mountain, is here. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Hello. (laughs) 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 welcome to two keto dudes (laughs) technology it's wonderful (laughs) through the miracle of modern technology and some hacking and tweaking we are all able to be here together it's just so nice uh brenda yes catch us up on your life since we last spoke
3: oh yeah we last spoke on the scary heart stories podcast didn't we Um, that's right well i was dating kevin then but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I met Kevin this summer through uh, my uh, motorcycle gang friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to call him my motorcycle <laughs> gang. But, yeah, some friends that rode bikes, and um, he, was, uh, he was friends of theirs. Yeah. We, I don't know, knew we liked each other right away, started to get to know each other.
2: But
0: Kevin has made some remarkable changes in his life thanks to you. So tell us what happened.
3: Well, okay, so this wonderful, beautiful man that I fall in love with, Uh, has type two diabetes, which I didn't know that part. And, um, Mm -hmm. beyond that, uh, he, he's, uh, on dialysis also because of the complications of it. Hmm. Um, and of course, you know, we are spending a lot of time together. He's watching me, uh, coach people online. I have a lot of people that contact me through Facebook and things and ask me questions about how to do keto and fasting and the forum. And, you know, he's watching what I'm doing and he just decided on his own that he's going to start eating low carb. Wow.
0: Kevin, yes. did you know Brenda was like a diabetes rock star when you met her? Not when I met her, no. How <laughs> amazing is that? Wow. Yeah. She didn't give you one of her business cards? Uh, not right away. <laughs> that- <laughs> Took a while. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't want to scare him off, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how did that just come up in conversation? Because that's a kind of a you know personal thing. Wow, I've got diabetes and uh, I'm on dialysis. I mean- Kevin, that takes a uh you know, a lot of chutzpah but to, to sort of talk about. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Do you remember when you first uh, told me that you're on dialysis, Kevin?
4: do uh, oh my. Um
3: We were sitting in front of Munkabeans, Beans and you uh showed me your arm where they do the
4: Right, right. Where they hook me up, yes. Yeah.
1: How often does that happen?
4: Uh three times a week. Oh wow. gee. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. For four hours each day. Wow.
0: And, uh, all right, well, continue the story, Brenda. So he told you he had type 2 diabetes and you were on dialysis, and, and he started—what did he—was he listening to Two Keto Dudes, or was he just watching videos, or—?
3: He was watching what I post on my personal Facebook page. Uh, yeah. But also, I encouraged him to read my story that was published on uh, Diet Doctor and Doctor Fung's uh, IDM site. And I also mm-hmm, encouraged right. him to listen to uh, podcast number twenty-one, which has my story. And he did those <laughs> things. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. And his daughter did too. His daughter like got pretty emotional reading my story. But, um,
2: wow.
3: right. So. There was a lot going on at the time, but he actually started moving towards low carb without me even really knowing he was doing that. And he started asking me questions, and then that's when I realized he's trying to do this. And um, he would ask me different questions about foods and things like that. And uh, and before I, I knew it, he was starting to um, get off of his insulin, which he took quite a bit.
4: Of insulin.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, Kevin, how
4: much insulin were you taking? A lot. <laughs> uh, at bedtime, I was taking Lantus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe 70 units of Lantus at bedtime. <sighs> wow.
1: Wow, that's a lot.
4: And then I took uh, Novolog every time I ate something, and that was yeah. at least 15 to 16 units of Novolog prior to eating every meal.
1: And did you have to calculate based on the meal that you were eating how much Novolog you'd have to take? Yes.
0: yes. So yeah. So it was called a sliding scale.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. I yep. Did any doctor ever talk to you about diet? Ever? Uh no. No. Really?
4: All they did was prescribe me medicine. <laughs>
3: take yeah. this and do that. Yeah.
0: And so how long have you been on a low carb diet and what's been the result? Huh? What was it now? What, seven or eight weeks now?
4: It's seven that?
3: seven weeks, yeah. It's amazing. Yep. He's he's a he's a f- badass. He's <laughs> tell him what's <laughs> happened to you, Kevin. He's
4: <laughs> Oh, not much. Oh, Just yep. you know, lost twenty 25, 26 pounds, uh down nice. pants size. Yeah. Yep. And what was your A one C
0: before and now?
4: Um now it's last one that was taken uh, was seven point five four i believe okay right but the worst has been is almost 12.
3: wow we haven't had one since he's been low carb and we're gonna actually uh, request right. one next week because right. we're curious what's happened he's off all his insulin yeah. too did you mention that kevin
4: whoa <laughs> no no i no, i haven't been on insulins for what seven weeks now
3: yeah he, he was off all his insulin within like a week it's uh, we were checking blood sugar to make sure he's okay
1: and so, what's that done to his blood sugar? I mean, what were you testing before you went low carbon? What are you now testing?
4: Oh, I was over 200s. Wow. Now I'm, I'm between 100
0: and 150. Nice. Wow, that's great. Well done.
3: He's had like a 104 reading, you know, and a one, well, yep. it 104 or 118 and
0: 115,
3: yep. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Kevin, you know, diabetes is uh, sort of a vascular disease and it affects the microvascular. Uh, function of the body which means you know at the extremities uh, those things tend to go numb feet go numb there's a neuropathy that happens Has there been any change in in that did you have that before and do you still
4: yeah it, it is slightly getting better um yeah when I touched my the bottom of my feet I could feel that now you couldn't uh, feel before it before I,
0: no no.
3: Wow. I know, just after seven weeks. Isn't that amazing?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Brenda, you also had that problem.
3: Yes, I had neuropathy in my right foot. It was a very large spot, actually, and it made me very sad because I figured that was permanent damage for the rest of my life. Right. And it started to get better, and I had read something Dr. Kraft had wrote that it takes about three years for that to heal if you stay low-carb. So I mentioned that to uh, uh, Gary Fetke in Breckenridge when he was at dinner with us. And um, that's yeah. in, I put that in my story. But anyway, and then Gary said, well, you know how long it takes for the nerves to grow from the spine to the foot? He said three years. Yep. And it had been just a little over three years. So yeah, that's completely, my foot's normal now.
0: So your nerves grow back.
3: Yes. They saying. do. Well, that's what Dr. Fetke and Dr. Kraft said.
1: <laughs> yeah, Dr. Fetke says it's one millimeter per day. And no so kidding. And so your nerves will grow. And wow. so, you know, over the period of, uh, you know, three years, you can grow that full meter from your... From your spine to your
0: tips of your toes, yeah, that is amazing.
3: Patience, though, right? I mean, <laughs> three yeah. years, Come,
0: kid on, yes, yeah, yes, so, yes. So, Kevin, a lot of uh, opponents of the low carb movement say the ketogenic diet is too hard to stick to. So, what was your experience? Did you have any problems? I
4: had no problems whatsoever.
3: <laughs> he, he loves bacon and eggs, and he he loves my uh my uh fatty keto cooking you know he, yeah, I,
0: I, yeah i've been seeing what you guys have been posting on facebook like you know two or three times a day what you guys are eating and i'm just salivating over it
3: yeah he did his first uh, official fast last week and i rewarded him with his first ever fathead pizza and he liked it he, he you know yeah
4: nice it's yeah. better
1: than real pizza isn't
4: it <laughs> oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> you liked that, yeah. didn't you, Kevin? That pizza?
4: No, I didn't like it.
0: I loved it.
3: <laughs>
2: see,
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so let's see: pizza, bacon, and eggs, steaks, and Alfredo you sauce. You even made a uh, yeah. yeah. You even made like a shirataki and Alfredo thing, and um, man, what's not to like?
1: Yeah. How long do you reckon it's going to take you to get bored of this lifestyle? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. No, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: the other thing that's interesting, Kevin, is that you're Native American, right?
4: Yes, I am. Which tribe? I am uh, o- o- Ojibwe, mm-hmm. and, and I am a member of the Leech Lake Reservation, northern Minnesota.
2: Right.
1: And and your people, I mean, they 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 go from pretty much up in Canada all the way all the way down into the lakes area, and uh, it's it's quite a large uh, area, right?
4: Yes, it is right.
1: So I guess certainly up in Canada there'd be harsh winters, and so uh, there'd be a good reason for for you to need to be able to pack on body weight sort of at the right. end of summer for a long winter.
0: Right, harsh winters in Minnesota too.
1: Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. I was looking at some Pima Indian, um, uh, studies and the Pima have been one of the most studied, uh um, uh, peoples, uh, in, in, uh, uh Native American peoples, uh, they had a longitudinal study where they're, they're watching people as they go through, um, uh, through all the stages of life. And, and, and Pima Indians, they're from, from Arizona, I believe, uh, they're 19 times more likely to have diabetes than somebody from Rochester, Minnesota. Wow. Uh, it's, which is one study that I was looking at, which is incredible. Um, uh, Incidence of diabetes uh, in amongst the Native
0: American population. There is a larger prevalence of diabetes among Native Americans in general, isn't there, Richard? Then, uh, mm. than European descendants.
1: Yes. Well, that that's what I mean. The the Pima are the are the world record holders in yeah. this. Um, and in fact, a lot of uh, a lot of Aboriginal cultures, uh, Australian Aboriginals, uh, for example, their rates are three point five times the rate of uh, non-aboriginal australians yeah 39% of aboriginal australians over 55 have type 2 diabetes so wow. and that that's diagnosed and you, uh, we know that for a- for every person that's diagnosed this you know there's a couple of people who have undiagnosed diabetes and so you know
0: that's just mm. incredible
3: and this all has to do with genetics guys right i mean this is all this is all genetics this is just
0: well, I think it's both, and Richard can correct me, but my opinion is that you have a people who are who have been used to eating and hunting without carbohydrates for thousands and thousands of years, right? Right. Yeah, or they have them seasonally. Yeah, from fruits.
1: Yeah, yeah, and at the end of summer, you have your ripe fruits. You don't have
0: ripe fruits for 365 days of the year. Right, and then, you know, the white man comes in, slaughters their food supply, the buffalo, and you know, uh, modernizes them, quote unquote. To sure. you know, here's your here's your refined carbohydrates. You know, here's your sugar. You know, learn to uh, uh, blend in to society, and uh, the result is disastrous. So you know, we have the genetic predisposition just because of what their bodies have evolved to tolerate, and then on top of that, you know, you introduce in in the course of you know. Thirty or forty years, just one generation, all of this crappy food. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, <laughs> that brought the conversation to a screeching halt. I'm sorry.
3: No, that was good. That was that was. Yeah, that's what I, I wanted you to say that too.
1: Yeah. So Kevin, what what's your feeling of uh, about diabetes in in your community? Um, is there a lot of diabetes amongst your family and friends?
4: Uh. Well. I was I was adopted at 16 months old by a a white a white couple, but yeah, I met my birth family in 2004, mm -hmm. and my birth mother had severe diabetes and she was on dialysis. My birth father he was not a diabetic. He he was pretty healthy, fairly Mm -hmm. good health. Yeah, and I I found my my younger sister is not diabetic, but my older sister is, and my one of my brothers is a diabetic too. Wow. Yeah. So that's
1: of six members of your close family, four are all type 2 diabetic. Yeah, right. Wow.
3: And his daughter. And
1: how, how, how about the next generation,
3: yeah? Mm. How
1: about your kids and your, your nieces and
3: nephews?
4: Um. No, not too much. My, my, my nieces and nephews, they're pretty healthy right now, but... Uh, my, my children, I have two children, and my son is not diabetic, but my daughter is now.
2: Oh. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is a real opportunity, I think, for Native Australians and Native uh, Americans. I think one of the interesting things about uh, specifically Native Australians is uh, people say, well, you know, we don't really know what the traditional diets were, but the last Australians to walk out of the Paleolithic era Did so in 1986. And so we we can actually ask, we can ask them, you know, if we have anthropologists are on their game, we can actually go to these people and and ask them. When you ask, uh, Aboriginals, most of the animals in Australia are fairly lean. You know, kangaroo is a very lean meat. But if you ask, Mm -hmm. um, these people what they ate, what their preferences were, they'd throw away a lot of the kangaroo meat and they'd take the tail because the tail of the kangaroo had all the fat in it. Mm. That was the prime meat. The tail. The hunters got the best meat. They got the tail, um, and and then the brain was another fatty part, and that was given to to babies for for uh, to wean on. Um, but also the hunt the, the the you know the hunters got the got all of the the brain, um, and so all of the fatty parts of the meat were all really quite prized in it, you know uh, for the Australian Aboriginals. And I'm curious. Do you, do you know much about you? Ut- do your traditional uh, foods no I know I don't that's a shame
0: that is a real shame yeah, yeah. and uh, something that is definitely w- worth looking up and researching
2: mm. yeah. Yeah, I,
1: yeah yeah we I, I think uh, it's going to be one of our agenda items over the next year for Carl and I to to, to work more with some uh, uh, some Aboriginal Australians and some Native American Indians and work on um, on it may maybe highlighting some of these issues because it would be very interesting to know what the different dietary patterns were, um, yeah, and whether we can actually get that information now. Uh, it's sort of like two hundred years since uh, since we knew we knew we had the opportunity of knowing this information. So,
0: and also to take some of the modern uh, fare that you're used to eating, you know, such as fry bread and, you know, these kinds of things, and turn them into ketogenic versions. And speaking of fry bread, you guys did this just last night, right?
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still full. Okay.
0: (laughs) So what is fry bread traditionally? Fry bread is just basically
4: uh, flour and water mixed together, and really it's all bread, you know. Yeah, Mm. and fried in a pan? of oil uh well yeah
0: deep fried yep deep fried and yeah. so there isn't any leavening agent there's no baking soda or any ba- baking powder
3: yeah there was baking powder i looked at some of the recipes that were online for traditional fry bread and then uh, mm. most fry in crisco
0: so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like a, a fried dough yes like you'd get at a carnival yep. so right. all sorts right. of healthy there <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so, so tell me how you uh,
0: ketoified it, right? Because usually you chop up lettuce, tomato, put things on top of it,
3: right? For an Indian taco, yeah, he he did yeah. that. He he's the one that we were eating the fathead pizza, and and Kevin looked up and he said, "You know, we could use this dough to make fry bread." <laughs> so yeah. it, it was totally his idea. Um, what we, but we, I modified the uh, the fathead uh, pizza dough recipe, and he mm-hmm. said that he would like to make Indian tacos, which I'd never heard of. It's it's yeah. basically yeah it's it's basically the um, the taco meat and lettuce and onion and salsa and sour cream on top of a piece of fry bread. But Kevin, they so also cool. they also eat it in a sweet way too, don't they? The fry bread. Yes. What did what did they put on there?
4: Like uh, jelly and jam.
3: See, so mm. I bought some sugar-free jam that's really good, and we're going to do that next time.
2: <laughs> yeah. but, butter butter <laughs> and jelly, and
3: we're doing we got he there's like four different flavors that they offer here, and he. He he wanted blackberries, so we got a jar of that in the fridge, and we'll be making this fry bread again. But um, yeah, yeah, we modified the um, the fathead pizza dough recipe uh, a few ways, and 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 I had some trial and error a day or two ago putting the dough in my deep fryer. That did not work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what happened?
3: Well, okay, fathead dough is made of uh, cream cheese, mozzarella, shredded, and uh, almond flour, and like maybe an egg, a few other things. Um And I tried with different size pieces, different thicknesses, different temperatures, and uh it basically starts to disintegrate. It was, right. I would take it out before it totally melted, and it was all mm. like, had this all wonderful crispy stuff on the outside, but it was doughy in the middle, so that wasn't working. So I thought, okay, mm. this has got to work. I've got to figure this out. And <laughs> I thought, what if I baked it for a little while first mm, and sure. then deep fried it?
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And that worked. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh yeah. Nice. And I deep fried it in uh beef tallow. Um since we oh, want to stay away from seed oils, <laughs> uh pork right. lard, beef tallow, those are the the best things to deep fry in. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, mm. and
3: we had uh the he she showed me how to build the taco last night. Right, Kevin? Mm-hmm. What's the order yep. of the stuff on the taco? He's got a special order he stacks it in.
4: Yeah, uh the hamburger first. Yeah. Lettuce, onion, uh salsa cream or what was sour sour cream or what
3: yeah and shredded cheese too yep. yeah
4: yep shredded you're right
3: uh, yep. we couldn't finish mm. it it was so rich <laughs> so so yep.
1: Kevin how was it, how did it compare with the uh with the traditional fry bread
4: I thought it was just as good if not better <laughs> I love it I love it. it's
2: nice. so cool
3: anything deep fried so right
4: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: right hey, yep. we, we all
1: like deep-fried food ain't nothing wrong oh, with yeah. deep frying
0: So, Kevin, are you prepared to be an agent of change for your family and friends? Oh, definitely,
4: definitely. My my daughter is slowly converting over to keto.
0: Yep. Oh, so great to hear. I'm not surprised with your
1: example. I mean, look at what you've managed to do. You've managed to go off all your insulin. You've managed to bring your blood glucose down into normal ranges. Get feeling
0: back in your
2: feet.
3: Yeah. And his weight loss, which people are starting to notice, he, he's he got that thing going on where his his, his face is looking um, very different. And if he couldn't yeah. have gotten any more handsomer, Kevin,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's even more so now. So, yeah.
0: Well, we're going to revisit you from time to time, Kevin, and at least talk about Good. you on the show. I hope you're prepared for that. But uh, oh, yeah. Brenda, you, you have do. some news to share, don't you?
3: Oh, do you want me to talk about my new job and who I'm going to yes, be working do. for? <laughs> Yeah. Um. Well, uh, uh, Megan Ramos and uh, Dr. Jason Fung uh, approached me, which I'm so honored, and asked me if I would join their uh, their counseling team at, at the IDM program.
0: Yay!
3: So, yeah. Yay. Well yeah. done.
0: Wow. Well done. So we even have a little clip from Megan congratulating you on that, which okay. we'll play now.
3: And another thing that I'm really thankful for is now I'm going to be working with another one of my really good friends, Brenda Zorn. Uh, so Brenda Zorn has been a longtime friend of Jason Fong and myself, and she's been a longtime follower of the IDM program, and uh, we're super happy to have Brenda on board. So that's something I'm very much looking forward to. Wow.
0: So congratulations. That's amazing. So Thank what you. does that entail, actually?
3: Well, um, right now, uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of training, a lot of reading and, uh, um, uh, training seminars that I'm listening to. I need to go through a whole process. Um, and sure. also, yeah. Also, um, I'm shadowing her in her consultation sessions that, uh, she does live. So, yeah. um, there'll be quite a bit of that until they feel I'm ready to take on clients um but she does know so my history cool. and knows that basically i've been doing this for almost four yeah. years already with, <laughs> yeah. with yeah. people that just approach me uh, online or friends and family yeah but there are people i've mentored
1: you've been doing it for free i oh yeah for, for people all over
2: the world yeah
3: anybody who asks i help oh no this is gonna have a bunch of people get a hold of me <laughs> but yeah um oh my time is extremely limited now because i have uh I have my regular full-time job. I work as a home health aide and, and now this training. But um, I would love to do uh, this kind of work full-time. And I told Megan she can have me uh, seven days a week, uh, 24 hours a day, 365, if she wants me. Because I I love this. I love to help people. It's amazing to change people's lives. I've never done anything so yeah. rewarding.
0: Well, yeah. and you, you do it as a home health aide in, in a limited capacity to True. a limited number of people. But now you're talking about really scaling up,
3: which yeah. is amazing. Megan was saying that, I don't remember her exact words, that the, that the IDM, uh, Intensive Dietary Management Clinic up in Toronto, is the largest research clinic in North America. Does that sound right? She said something like that. It's the largest something in North America. It sounded pretty impressive. Wow. I'm not sure what she told me now. but well,
0: I, I do know this, that after the Obesity Code podcast started publishing, they became inundated with new clients
3: right they need and help
0: they are they're in over their head yeah. Yep. yeah
3: yep i'm willing to work real hard for them so um i'm just i i can't tell you how thrilled i am that they asked me um i've met both of them before and uh they've been watching some of my antics online i suppose and and of course dr mm-hmm. fung uh, published my story um so you know I, yeah. they have a pretty good idea that uh, i have been helping people and that i've been doing this for a while so i they they said that they both love me. Well,
2: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> who doesn't? I love oh, them get,
3: too. Yeah. yeah, they're just they're <laughs> my people. So I'm I'm really enjoying this, and I'm very very excited. Yep.
0: One thing people don't know about Brenda, if your only experience of her is like in Facebook, you know, she tends to be very opinionated and use a lot of a lot of <laughs> foul <Experience>. language, <laughs> and we love that about her. But you know, one on one, when you meet her in person, she's like the sweetest most kind-hearted person uh, that we've ever met. So I just need to say that.
3: that oh. Yeah, I like how
0: that too. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but don't push me in a corner, okay?
1: She'll come
0: out fighting. Yep. <laughs> she really doesn't take herself too seriously. But, you know, she, when when challenged, though, you know. Watch out.
3: (laughs) Exactly. The F words start flying. No, no. I, I, yeah, sometimes people um, might get a little put off by my strong personality online, but really, I'm a completely harmless person.
0: (laughs) Well, and and you're effective. Yeah. And that's good. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, there are uh, thousands of people whose lives have been changed. by your advice, by your example. And so it's been a wonderful thing to to watch for us.
0: And if you can give women out there the courage to speak their minds and not kowtow to popular opinion, uh, I think that's the most important part of what you do. I really do think that's amazing. We need more women like you.
3: Oh, Mm. gosh, Carl, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I I definitely um, – at at every opportunity uh, empower women uh, around other things too like taking care of their own car and things like that i like to do that kind of thing <laughs> so the art yeah. of
0: motorcycle maintenance well we have a lot to be thankful for this year don't we we all do um i i guess i mean we've talked to to brenda about her new career and certainly kevin about his new life and and that's fantastic i am also grateful this year for so many things, for the opportunity to expand uh, the message, you know, through new podcasts and things like that, I think is pretty much the, the biggest change that has happened to me this year, and you know, with Richard as well. Also, I am just grateful for the to, to Richard for the ketogenic diet and showing me that I actually could do it. Uh, I remember how hard it was at first, and how I thought, you know, is this going to work? Is this not going to work as my body was changing? And then once it changed, probably a- after about five months, I felt like this is, I ne- I'm i never going back to carbohydrates and, and I never will. So I'm grateful for finding this way of life, which I'm now calling the keto-fasting lifestyle. Yeah. It's not just so much a ketogenic lifestyle, even though fasting is ketogenic but certainly keto food and fasting is we're not uh,
1: changing our name to the two keto fasting dudes though no we're not (laughs) i'm putting my foot down
0: there (laughs) definitely not but the the keto fasting lifestyle has changed my life and uh, i'm never going back to the standard american diet and for that i'm very very thankful Yeah, I uh,
1: as an as the token Australian here, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Australia, but we should. It's the best holiday we had in America. I remember our first Thanksgiving. Jules Mm -hmm. and I had moved to Florida in nineteen ninety eight, and we spent Thanksgiving with a Cuban American family, and we got a whole different experience. (laughs) Uh, Cuban food, as much pork as you could eat, and uh, (laughs) and and. and, (laughs) And then like the next day, well, sort of that evening, you're in like a coma from all, all this food. And then you sort of like smoke a cigar, smoke a cigar, pass on a, out on a couch watching football.
2: Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, then you wake up and you eat leftovers afterwards. And it's that <laughs> yeah. we have exactly we have exactly the same holiday on the day after Christmas in Australia. It's called boxing day. And we spoke to. Dr. Peter Brookner about this and uh, about the fact that uh, on Boxing Day there's a really big event in Australia which is a cricket game. Everybody does this. So you have this big Christmas feast and then you on Boxing Day you sort of uh, watch sport and then eat leftovers from the Christmas feast. So <laughs> and roll around kind of in and, a and carbohydrate induced yeah, 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 coma. Yeah, yeah. Well, not nec- <laughs> not not necessarily. It doesn't have to be carbohydrate induced. It's just a lot of food.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, well, I know uh, traditionally yeah. in America, you know, we're eating stuffing and cornbread and pie right. and all that stuff. That's the traditional thanksgiving yeah. fair but you know as we we found out last year when we did the thanksgiving show uh you can five thanksgiving and really really rock it so that's what we're thankful for brenda is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you are thankful for
3: well there's oh there's a lot of things i life is really good right now um i'm very healthy i'm feeling really good i've had all kinds of fantastic things happen this year for me um my health is only still it's still improving, which just blows my mind. Um my lean body mass is still growing. I, I check it with DEXA scans. Um I still am lifting weights. Uh, uh I mean a met, lot of weights. Yeah, I love it. And and the how strong I am is is um kind of strange. But <laughs> it's it feels good, you know, and I know it's good for me. You know, I think I've probably got more out of helping people recover in the keto and fasting community than than anything else this year. Um, it, it just means a lot to me, and I spend an enormous amount of time doing it every day, and I have for, well, more than a few years now. Um, but I've got to say that meeting Kevin is just a major highlight. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: uh, I'm very, very grateful and thankful I met him. I mean, it, sometimes you just meet people by chance, And, and what were the chances that, I mean, I met him. I love who he is. Um, and then it turns out I can actually help him with something, which that wasn't even the original plan. I I didn't even know he had these things going on. So, um, so that's, it's been very rewarding for me, but he's, um, he's like my, he's my soulmate. He's, he's my friend. He's, He's just an amazing person. He has a quiet strength about him. One of the funny things about Kevin is that um, uh, he's, he is quiet a lot of the time, uh, and I can really be a talker and interrupt too, when I get excited. And I had to learn to shut the fuck up. Just otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I was going to miss something that he said, because when Kevin talks, I don't want to miss anything he says, you know, because it's more infrequent. And so, uh, so I'm learning, I'm, he's making me a better listener, because I'm learning to just stop talking and listening to what he has to say. So, yeah.
0: And Kevin, life, you, life you guys have a lot in common, don't you? You both ride motorcycles, and do you yes. lift weights too, Kevin?
4: I used to, but not anymore, but I'd like to get back into that. How cool mm. is
0: that? So, do you have a list of things you're thankful for, Kevin?
4: Well, just the main thing is uh thankful for this keto keto diet that I'm on and thankful for having Brenda in my life now. Yep. Those are the two main ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, that there's a a whole novel in those words that you just said there. Yeah. Well, and, and how appropriate is it for us to be sharing Thanksgiving like this? You know, white Europeans and Native Americans, which is essentially the makeup of the very first Thanksgiving.
3: Hey, Kevin, mm-hmm. you got that? Good, you got some good jokes. <laughs> you want to tell them? The, <laughs> you want to tell them the, the donkey joke with the.
2: Yes, the donkey joke.
3: Uh, <laughs> I know if it's appropriate for the podcast but Carlo edited it out if he doesn't think so, but you should still it. Go ahead,
4: him. lay it
0: on us. Lay it on. Us. Yeah,
4: it's it's yeah, back in the back in the day when the the Pilgrims met the Indians for their first Thanksgiving, yeah, they, they said good thing you we're having a turkey instead of a uh, a donkey. Well, I guess if we was having a donkey everybody would have a Having a piece of ass on Thanksgiving,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Will you pass the ass, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put some gravy on it. <laughs> so tell
1: me about Thanksgiving as as an Australian. I mean, I, I've had a, a a brief experience when we lived in America, but a lot of our listeners are Australians and uh, and from all over the world. Tell us the origination of Thanksgiving.
0: Well, the idea was that these uh, people called the Pilgrims weren't certainly weren't the first settlers to come to America, but they uh, escaped religious persecution and uh, came from the European mainland. I think it was um, they were Dutch and uh, were, were escaping religious persecution. They were Puritans. So they were, you know, strict fundamentalist Bible followers. And, you know, guess what? People didn't like them. So they they got on a boat called the Mayflower. Now, this is, you know, documented. They came across the Atlantic from Europe, and they landed in uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts. And there's a famous rock there called Plymouth Rock. Now, if you read um, historians like Bill Bryson, you find out that they actually didn't land at Plymouth Rock. It was a little further down. But you know, some of this, some of this has been uh, mythologized. But the story is that they were starving and they didn't know how to feed themselves. So one of the Patuxet Native North American people, uh, who was very famous and famously uh, participated in in this first. Feast and, and and actually helped the Europeans uh, uh, learn how to feed themselves. His his name was Squanto. His actual name was Tisquantum, mm-hmm. and he, believe it or not, he wasn't just some guy who happened to, you know, understand them or whatever. He had been around for a while, and he was um, hired. As an indentured servant, I believe, in Europe by some royalty a couple of times so he had been back and forth to Europe a few times. I believe Captain John Smith uh, was the guy who brought him to Europe the first time uh, um, but don't you know don't quote me on that anyway, so he was kind of hip he kind of knew how to teach you know uh, European settlers how to grow corn and you know what to hunt for and all of this stuff. So that went on, and um, they had this Thanksgiving dinner between the Native Americans of the region and the, the settlers after they had a, a harvest, you know, successful harvest, and were able to have this feast. You know, the lore is that they had a turkey, but it was probably some other kind of fowl. But, mm-hmm. you know, these, like I say, these things get mythologized.
3: Maybe it was a donkey. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> pass the ass. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's the sort of lore that we've been taught and uh you know that the traditional fare is a roast turkey, mashed potatoes, uh, uh a stuffing or a dressing which is usually made with, you know, uh herbed bread and celery sure. and carrots and uh onions and and some people put sausage, some people put hazelnuts, some people put chestnuts in their stuffing, whatever. It's just some kind of dressing. And then like the fall vegetables, like squashes and sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. And sure. Um, then of course it got, um, you know, commercialized with, uh, the green bean casserole and all of these things <laughs> and pumpkin pie and apple pie and all of this yeah. stuff. So, you know, so it's a it, Thanksgiving poses a, pretty difficult situation for anybody who is trying to diet right because there's this big cultural pressure for us to get together and just eat until we are just stuffed and generally it's not good stuff so
3: yeah most of it's carby
0: yeah most of it's carby right and so the also the traditional experience in america is to eat yourself silly and then sit around and watch the macy's thanksgiving day parade or you know the football games just like you guys do on boxing day and just you know roll around in a coma you know (laughs) this is the traditional experience so it does pose a kind of a challenge for those of us who are either fasting or eating ketogenic uh, especially if you have you know, most families today, are. there's some vegans, there's some vegetarians, there's some carnivores, sure. Fewer of those. There are people who are doing low-carb, there are people who are doing paleo, there are people doing keto, and then there's people who are fasting. Yeah, you can't fast on Thanksgiving though, can you? Well, sure, I, th- I guess you could, but what my point is, it makes for really interesting family dynamic time. And so, sure. stress levels generally go up when we have these family... Gatherings and get-togethers, and all the generations and all the people get together. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of cool heads to sail through these holidays without getting <laughs> um, stressed out.
3: Yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> I've had I- I've <laughs> had this this stress with my family, but they're slowly moving towards low carb foods at Thanksgiving. Yep.
0: Yeah, it can be just as delicious. And I guess that brings us to a very special edition of.
2: Recipes!
0: <laughs> <laughs> we want to know your recipes, guys. What are your Thanksgiving recipes?
3: Well, um, I, wrote, I wrote down what I experimented with with the fry bed last night, so I guess I'll read that. But also I have a stuffing recipe. So
2: um,
3: my stuffing recipe is almost no carbs at all because the main ingredient is... Oh, wait. First, I should say that I made this last night, and Kevin and I finished off the whole dish, the whole casserole.
2: Mm. He, he
3: ate half of it. I ate the other half. But he never asked me how I made it. Kevin, the main ingredient <laughs> of this, <stuff>, okay. <laughs> this zero-carb, basically almost zero-carb stuffing, is um, uh, crushed pork rinds.
4: Mm. Oh, really? Yeah,
3: see, Kevin doesn't wow. really like pork rinds, but um, uh, they have a different taste when they're plain. So what I did is I took a about a three-and-a-half-ounce bag of of plain uh, salted pork rinds and broke them up into little pieces about the size of maybe a postage stamp size. Mm. And that was about five cups is what it came out to be. Um, you know, a little bit sure. bigger pieces, not crushed, really, but a um, mm. uh, little bit bigger pieces, you know, try to resemble bread cubes as much as I could. Uh, right. Then uh, I melted a stick of butter and... Threw in a half of a large diced Vidalia onion and um, mm-hmm. two sticks of celery. That's all diced really, really well and uh, sauteed that in that stick of butter till it got really soft. And then I mm-hmm. mixed in uh, two tablespoons of rubbed sage, a quarter teaspoon of white pepper, mm-hmm. and poured that over the pork rinds, mixed it yeah. up, and baked oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and nice. I baked it at uh, three hundred and fifty about fifteen minutes, just enough to heat it up. If you bake it too long, it'll it'll get too soft. And um, very very simple. But I got to tell you, Kevin, what did you think of the stuffing last night? I loved it. So <laughs> you know.
4: Absolutely, absolutely loved it.
3: Yeah. Wow. He might not have loved it as much as he if he knew I made it with pork rinds. So, but right. right. <laughs> but um.
0: Waited. <laughs> Till now to spring it on I it, did. So he's <laughs> got to say, "Oh yeah, I loved it."
2: Yeah, but I mean, think about
3: how low carb that <laughs> the pork is. Pork rinds. Yeah, <laughs> think about that. There's a couple carbs in the celery and a couple in the onion, but think about how low carb that whole dish is.
2: Yeah, sure, right. It's
3: just amazing, and it tasted really, really good. So that's a stuffing recipe that would work. You could stuff that in a bird. You can, you know, we baked it and just ate it out of a dish. So yeah, whatever. It would it, it it held up like stuffing it look I suppose you could maybe add a little bit of um, chicken broth to, to change the texture mm-hmm. or the flavor a little bit I didn't have any but um it was good the way it was so
0: and what's great about pork rinds is they soak up a lot of liquid right they, yeah. they do they're very dry when you eat them you know out of the bag right and they can almost they can have this uh, effect of drying out your mouth but
3: right yeah and it was put in
0: a little liquid
3: right mm. it was mostly butter the liquid really was butter which is you know uh, um so it didn't it didn't make them uh m- mushy because it was right. oil that i was putting on there so yeah. i'm not sure if adding any chicken broth would work in this case but doing it the way i did mm. worked so
0: yeah uh, okay well, there's an experiment waiting to happen.
3: Oh, there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Kevin would be a willing guinea pig, right, Kevin?
0: You bet. Let's see, <laughs> Kevin. Do you have any recipes of your own you want to add? Or are we just going uh, yeah, to let Brenda? Yeah, let her. Yep. Yeah, the fry, the fry <laughs> okay. bread is
3: is his thing, and he's the one that told me how to do this. But um, I wrote down the final ingredients, and I'll, I'll explain the method because this one has there's a special okay. trick to this. Um, he Kevin had the idea for the fry bread. Uh. Because of that fathead um, pizza dough, and I thought, wow, that would be really neat to see if I could recreate that. And of course, I want to do it for him mm-hmm. because that was something he really liked. And um, right. yeah, so I took the the standard fathead recipe that's online right. at the um,
2: mm-hmm. right,
3: and then I added uh, about a third of a cup more almond flour than the recipe called for. Um, First, I should say I doubled the recipe. I added mm-hmm. a third a cup more almond flour. I only used one mm-hmm. egg instead of two, because if it's a doubled recipe, it would have been two. I only used one egg. And then I yeah. added a half a teaspoon of baking powder. Okay. Mix that really well. Rise. Yeah, Yeah, because I wanted it to rise, because if you look at traditional flatbread, yeah. it really puffs up. So then yeah, um, sure. I knew it wasn't going to rise like wheat dough. So I shaped it into flattened rounds almost resembling a finished fry bread and put it on parchment mm. paper. And um I baked those uh at 350 until they were lightly browned and then flipped mm. them over and browned the other side. Um but mm-hmm. just lightly browned because I didn't want to fully cook it because right. I'm gonna deep fry these suckers, okay?
2: Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean,
3: you know, fry bread is fry bread. Mm-hmm. You need to it needs to go in and yeah, it, yeah, it, it needs to be, to be fried. Deep-fried. So, yeah. so they were still a little soft, but, um, probably not dough in the middle or maybe a little. And I was able to pick them yeah. up and, uh, uh, I brought the oil to 325, um, beef tallow mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. slipped that fry bread in there. And you got to stand right there with it because we're, we're not, this is not right. wheat flour. This is cheese yeah. and almond flour. And there's already a lot of fat in this piece of yeah. bread. So you need to right, be standing yeah. right there because it'll brown up really fast, and then flip it over, yeah. brown the other side. It'll puff up a little bit, like fry bread should.
0: And you're talking like yeah. seconds, right?
3: Yeah, not even a minute. Um, uh, yeah, you got to be standing right there; it browns up quick, and then uh, and then set it on paper towels to uh, to drain a little bit.
0: So you didn't use fry baskets with your deep fryer? You no, know, you I those actually
3: out? Um, these were big, and, and my deep fryer is small. Uh, so mm. and I the fry basket you just put them right. Yeah, in. when I tried to experiment with this before putting smaller pieces of this in the fry basket, uh, that did not work. So what I did is I used mm. a large cast iron pan. They call a chicken fryer, and that's what I filled with yeah. beef tallow. Yeah. And that was on my my oh, gas okay. stove top. I had better control that way. Um, yeah, I I, sure. I deep fried this in a it's
0: like a Dutch oven.
3: Uh, no, it's a very large deep cast iron frying pan. They called it a chicken fryer. Oh. Yeah. And that's what I fried these okay. in, and, and that that would probably work best to just uh, not set them in a basket, but right. s- but slip them into the the oil that way, like traditional fry bread is done. Yeah, yeah it okay. was so good. We couldn't finish them though; they were too big and and rich. Would neither <laughs> of us cool. could finish <laughs> our dinner. So
0: <laughs> I'm gonna try that. I'm definitely gonna oh, try. It was it. so
3: good. Uh, you know that deep fried, crispy on the outside, bready oh, inside. Yeah. yeah, it was so good. Yeah. yeah. And then you can you can make indian tacos with these of course. Fry bread or or, or the yeah. savory version or the savory version or the sweet version.
0: I imagine since they were crispy you could cut them up and use them as crackers, right?
3: No, these are thick. They're actually um fry, oh, they fry bread thick. is traditionally pretty thick. So I'd say when it oh. was done, it was at least a quarter inch thick if not a little bit more. And around the edges even oh, thicker. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right.
0: Well, um, I'll go next. The, really, the only thing that I'm doing is uh, revamping my stuffing recipe from last year. Okay. Yeah. So I'll th- put a link to this. It's basically on our blog. All right. So, at first, when I wrote this recipe, I used Mahler's low carb bread. Remember, I was on a Mahler's yeah, kick for a long time? Yeah. remember that. I
3: remember.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: But that still has wheat. And, you know, wheat yeah. has problems, it's problematic. It was problematic for me, even though I was only eating it once in a while. But since then, I've switched to using uh, a non-wheat bread from Fox Hill Kitchens.
3: Oh, I love that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, Julie bread. Yeah, we call it Julie bread because Julie is the the woman who started Fox Hill Kitchens in Vermont, and she came down uh, to visit me before Keto Fest and... Gave me some of her bagels and buns and stuff, and I thought they were so amazing. We had her come make grilled cheese sandwiches at Keto Fest.
3: Oh, God, they were so good.
0: Right. Now, you can go to bread.2keto.com. That'll bring you to Fox Hill Kitchens, but it also um, helps support our podcast because we have an affiliate program with her, okay? That's true. Yeah. So, th- she has a bunch of products at Fox Hill Kitchens, but... The ones that I'm using are the croutons. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. She gave them away in in the Keto Fest bags.
0: That's right. The the croutons are actually, you know, they already are salted. They're crispy. They have some garlic powder on them. You can eat them like snack, like That's crackers. What I did. You know, they're just <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah. You could put them in soup, and, and they're just amazing. So they're perfect for stuffing because they're already dry and they're already mashed up into into croutons. And they're mm. already broken up into the And they're croutons. seasoned.
3: Yeah. yeah. They're good.
0: Yeah. So you start with a mirepoix, which, as mm-hmm. Brenda said, chopped celery, carrots, mushrooms, garlic, onion, whatever you like. And I'm gonna add to that some crumbled sage sausage. Oh, yeah. And I get this sage sausage at the grocery store. It's Jimmy Dean sage sausage.
3: We'll have to buy that, Kevin.
0: Yes. And I add some and I add some chopped. Fresh herbs, mostly sage with some thyme and rosemary. And right. at the end, I throw in a few sliced black olives. And um, Kelly, my wife, doesn't eat onions. So I, I use onion powder to get the onion flavor and she can sure. tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And then you add some chicken stock. So if you make it yourself from bone broth, which I do, that's the best, obviously. But if you buy it, get the low sodium stock. Or if you make it yourself, don't use salt because. You want to be able to control the salt yourself. Sure. So then you pour the hot stock and mirepoix mix over the croutons and you combine it. And if it's too dry, you add a bit more stock. Yeah. If, you know, you you can obviously gauge what you need. So now it's time to either stuff the bird or just roast it and toast it in a baking pan, which is what I do. I like to get, you know... Uh, more melted butter over the top and just put it in the oven in a in a, a thin layer because then it gets crispy oh, crispy, yeah it gets crispy on top yep so the basically the end of it is you bake it in a, th- a baking pan a 300 degree fahrenheit oven for 30 to 40 minutes or until it gets crispy and that's pretty much it
1: a lot of people these days don't like to put stuffing in the bird because, you know, there's a chance if the bird doesn't cook well, the juices are raw going into the stuffing and it's not really that edible. You're trying to, I mean, stuffing is supposed to season the bird really. So from the inside, I got to admit, I just throw a lemon <laughs> inside the bird just to keep it, keep it expanded. And yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Most people these days just, uh, bake their stuffing in a pan in the oven, you know, that way you you can eat the stuffing because you put so much effort into making the stuffing taste nice, you may as well want to eat it.
0: Totally agree.
1: And that's what I do.
3: That's what I do now too. I used to stuff the bird years ago, but of course that was bread stuffing, but yeah. I cook it on the side; it's better.
1: Awesome. So my recipe this week is going to be one I did for uh, Thanksgiving last year, which is a low-carb almond meal polenta. It's actually Julie's recipe, uh, but it has a twist this this year. Uh, so a, a twist that Brenda will appreciate Ooh. because we're going to throw some baby, baby corn, corn into it. He yeah, baby
3: corn keto, Richard. <laughs>
1: Uh, baby corn is entirely yes, keto is. because yeah. uh, those little kernels haven't had a chance to develop all the yep. sugars that the big kernels have. So it's just the flavour of corn without without a lot of the carbs. So this recipe is uh, it's 100 grams of almond meal, uh, which is about 250 mils, about a cup worth. Um, we're going to have about a, cu- a, a cup of water or stock. Um, I, I prefer to use like a homemade stock if I can. Uh, and again, as like Carl says, I don't salt my stocks. I I, I salt the meal that I'm adding the stock to, um, and it's going to take thirty grams of cream cheese. Um, and this is we're going to use this to bind the meal, uh, and mm. uh, about sixty grams of grated Parmesan cheese. This is also a binder, but it's also a flavour enhancer, uh, and then finally a half a teaspoon of low sodium salt to taste. Um, Uh, And about 50 grams of baby corn. It's only, so the baby corn is just going to be for flavoring. Okay, so how you make this is you add the almond meal to a small saucepan and you add the stock and the water and you whisk it up and you whisk really hard until the mixture is free of any lumps. Uh, then you put it on the stove over a medium heat and you whisk while it heats and it'll blip, 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 little bubbles coming up as the, uh, the mixture sort of thickens. And then when it starts to bubble at the edges or when you stop whisking, you add the two cheeses and the salt and you keep whisking and you keep mm. whisking for about two to three minutes until the mixture thickens. And now you're going to add the flavoring. That's going to be the, the baby corn. So you chop the baby corn really fine. You can, you can use a mortar and pestle or you can use a magic bullet or or if you've got good knife skills, just use a knife. You chop it really fine and you add it in. Once you've got the baby corns in there and it started to soften, take the whole thing off the heat and the mixture will thicken even more while it's standing. And that—that uh, that is a uh, low-carb
0: almond meal polenta. Awesome. I
3: haven't had polenta for four years. I'm going to make that. <laughs> I miss polenta.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so one other story that I have for Thanksgiving is that as some of you know, especially the locals, I started a meetup group for ketogenic lifestyle. And if you are thinking of doing something like that and you want to be an influencer, this is a great way to start. Just go to meetup.com. And you, uh, you I think it is a paid service. You do have to pay to be a member of meetup.com. But it's also a great way to meet locals. And they'll find you. You don't have to go advertising for it. You basically just start a local meetup group for Ketogenic Lifestyle, and people will join. And uh, what I decided to do was have my monthly or so meetups at a local restaurant that understands keto. Mm -hmm. So this has been at Hot Rods. Rod Cornish is a local guy who uh, talked to me about keto before keto fest and by the time keto fest came around last july he said you know what i'm gonna go all out and we'll have prime rib on the menu we'll have a cup of bacon we'll have some shrimp skewers we'll have all this great keto food so his was uh, a very popular and successful restaurant during keto fest anyway the wednesday before thanksgiving the coming up here it, we're going to do our next meetup. Nice.
3: Well, that makes me want to start one here, Carl. I mean, I could handle once a month meetup around here. Yeah, yeah, of
0: course. And and all you do is you just get together and have a meal and talk. Yes. I mean, there's no... I can do know, that. What's What's better than
1: that? So I've got an interesting story about Europeans meeting uh, native peoples, and this is about the Pima Indians. And I mentioned the Pima before. They're, they're one of the most studied uh, populations in North America for mm. uh, metabolic diseases and what have you. But what's interesting is the name Pima actually comes from, uh, well, th- th- they don't call themselves the Pima Indians. They call themselves the Oatham. I, th- I believe it's the pronunciation. Okay. Uh, where we got the name Pima from is that apparently Pima is their, uh, language for I don't know what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) and and apparently when apparently when the when the Spanish first uh, came to the area of Arizona and they'd ask these people questions they'd say Pimac, Pimac, all the time and apparently that is I I don't
3: know what you're saying really
1: don't know what you're saying (laughs) Hi what's your name Pima
3: and and, and they
1: they figured (laughs) oh we may as well just we may as well just call you the Pimac. <laughs> so, <That's> so funny. <laughs> and the interesting thing now is that in Australia, the word kangaroo. People, there's, there's been this urban myth running around Australia for many years that the word kangaroo is Aboriginal for, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because these English explorers would say, they'd point to this funny animal jumping on its hind legs and say, what's that? And the uh, the, the Aboriginal man would say, oh, I, I don't know saying. what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Wow, there must be a lot of that. It must well, be a lot of that. What an what a awesome... Way to wrap this up. Hey, Brenda, thank you so much for joining us and telling your story and uh, and bringing Kevin along. Thank you.
3: You're welcome. Anytime, Carl.
0: And Kevin, you are yes. such a rock star. We're going to have to hear from you more often. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, and
4: eventually maybe have my, my daughter join in, too. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Yeah.
0: And we're going to continue this conversation on the forum. So we'll see you out there. Thanks, guys.
3: Okay, bye,
2: guys. Okay,
4: bet.
1: Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute, anything that we've said, send it by mail to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on their website.
0: And you can follow us on Twitter at 2ketodudes, on Instagram at 2ketodudes, and make sure to use the hashtag 2ketodudes.
1: And, of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com.
0: And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and all that junk, head over to <laughs> gear2 And
1: if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the 2 Keto Dudes Fan Club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com.
0: And if you feel like supporting our podcasts and our forums, think about making a pledge on our Patreon page at Patreon. 2keto.com.
1: or just hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate2
0: you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos of all our podcasts uh, <laughs> on youtube at youtube.2keto.com
1: and if you haven't already please leave us a review on itunes that's how new people get to know about what we do
0: Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Well, guys, keep calm and keto on. Brenda, keep calm and keto on. Keep
3: calm and keto on, Carl, Richard, Kevin.
0: <laughs> you too, Kevin. Keep calm and yeah. keto on. Yes, thank you. Richard? Yeah? Keep calm and keto on. Keep
1: calm and keto on, Carl. <laughs>
0: uh, and we'll see you next time on
1: two keto
2: dudes.